Hi, everyone. I'm Sarah Edmondson, and I'm here with... Hi, I'm Anthony Ames, Sarah's husband, a.k.a. Nippy. And we're here to talk about things that are... A little bit culty. Speaking of, we were in a cult, and we woke up. Thank goodness. And we have a lot to say. And a lot to ask. This podcast is going to be a deep dive into everything from the red flags to the narcissism, the manipulation, the resiliency, the recovery process, and everything in between. Also, we want to share some of the good we got out of it so you can get all the nuggets without having to join a cult. If you haven't already, because there are a lot of things out there that are just a little bit culty. Welcome to A Little Bit Culty, a podcast about the fads, beliefs, and trends that blur the line between healthy and a little bit culty. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And find us on Instagram if you have any suggestions for things you have found to be a little bit culty. Under the surface, the water fills my lungs. This ground I worship has swallowed up its young. Hey, everybody. This is really exciting and totally spontaneous, but this is a bonus summer episode. Bonus summer episode with India Oxenberg. We're in Atlanta. We're here for our family trip. And most of you know, yesterday was Allison Mack's sentencing. And we've been in touch with India since this all went down and hoping that she'd be a guest one day. And she actually reached out and said this would be a good time to process. And truthfully, this is one of my more emotional episodes and meaningful just insofar as we just got to shoot the shit and talk about a lot of stuff. Yep. It's great to see your smile and let's just roll right into it. Thanks for being here, India. Thank you. I'm so happy you're here because I know everyone in our listenership has been like, when are you going to talk to India? And I'm like, maybe one day down the road, like if and when she's ready, we'll see. And now it's just a spontaneous thing that you're doing our bonus summer episode. And I mean, I haven't seen you. Perfect in, timing, actually. I haven't seen you in over four years. I haven't seen you in person in over four years. And to see your beautiful shining face out and free, I'm going to cry because this is what this is like so good you know this is what we this is our objective this is the objective just a little <laughs> caveat there there was a pandemic no i don't Sarah. even have tissues ready what was oh I shit you oh should know God. this by Thank now you. tissues use your bedcloth no use your bedcloth no it's covered with beans and rice's hair because apparently uh. it's actually their bed not mine uh. but <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, guys. This is, yes, this was very spontaneous, but also something that I had thought about for a while and have really been wanting to do. But I was really kind of waiting until I felt ready. And mm-hmm. with this whole crazy month and with Allison's sentencing yesterday, I didn't know how I was going to feel, but I did know that there was going to be some sense of closure. And I and I thought that this would just be a wonderful opportunity for us to just connect and talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Overdue. Overdue. Yeah. Way overdue. Very. And you know, I was reflecting on our friendship and how like, you know, when we met, I really, I just always really loved you and, and thought you were so cool. And I love that you made gluten-free 
baked goods, which of course is the key to my heart. And, you know, and then when, yes. And then when you're in the ranks of Nexium, it's like, there's just all this bullshit and like separation and it really messes up friendships. And then of course we left and we didn't speak. And then we were very much, you know, not friends for a while because we were on different camps. Well, I never felt that. Well, no, I mean, I, I mean, didn't feel that about you, but I'm sure you, well, I have questions for I you I felt about like that. you're my little sister and I had to go help you. Yes. That's kind of how I felt. Uh, but I knew that you you were hearing things about us. So, oh my yes. God, was I ever? I mean, <laughs> we didn't hear the <laughs> the end of it. It was just, it was nonstop propaganda about, you know, those who have left, those who are speaking out against Nexium, Nexium and DOS. And it's like, it, it, they didn't stop. I mean, and that, that was kind of one of the more difficult things is, is being on the inside and having to kind of comply with all of the bullshit that they were saying. And also being too afraid to question for myself while mm-hmm. I was still in there because it just wasn't safe. It wasn't okay. I was seeing right. what was going on with the people who had left and they were being targeted like you and mm-hmm. Mark and Bonnie and Nippy and not, not like targeted, like they were going to come after you with a knife or anything like that. It wasn't like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like I ever felt that the threats were going to become physical, but the fear was really real. And so I think that's something that's difficult for people to understand Mm -hmm. is that you're not sort of chained down in a room, unable to leave the, the emotional restrictions are even more damaging in some mm-hmm. ways it's like it, because it's more difficult to comprehend for yourself it's like for why sure. do i feel like i can't leave i mean i remember a lot of moments even pre-dos where i mm-hmm. felt like what am i doing here like mm-hmm. i don't want to be for here sure. and they would tell me so many times like you have one foot in and one foot out and you really <laughs> need to commit to your growth and all of this stuff and i was like what is wrong with me why do i really feel like i don't want to do this but i'm still here Right. Yeah. Well, you're just not I mean, integrated, I integrated ask, enough. Yeah. I mean, well, that would be the that would be the exact thing that you would hear. You would get trapped in a closet by Esther Carlson, being told that you need to take 18 more Jeunesse tracks and for fifteen thousand dollars. Right. For fifteen thousand dollars that I don't have, and I haven't made, wasn't making any money while. I'm, no, but India, you can make twelve dollars an hour working for the company, and then you can pay it oh, off over twenty five years. And your lifeblood. <laughs> but I, I was wondering that. For you guys, and I, I mean, I assume that it was similar to me, that there are probably so many moments where you're like, what am I doing? Like, mm-hmm. why am I why am I so committed to this? But I also am not going anywhere with my life, but I'm tricking myself into thinking that I'm actually getting somewhere where I'm not moving forward at all. Well, you, I mean, you nail it. I think it's case by case, too. For me, and I remember making decisions along the way. Nope, not doing that. Nope, not doing that. And that, I think... That's where you begin and the company begins, if that makes sense. And it felt like a company and there were certain things. And I told people never move to Albany. You know? We told people that. Yeah. If you had asked me, I would have told you not I to. Think we... And I would have said, don't tell anyone I told you that. <laughs> I wish that it was that simple. But at the time that I was moving to Albany, it was not my choice. That was a total instruction. Oh, I know. That came from uh... Keith through Allison. Yeah. And I was so nervous to do wow. it because one, it meant that I was going to have to break up with my then boyfriend. Two, I was going to have to leave the, you know, I'm doing air quotes here, but the company that I was so invested in, which was Rainbow. And I knew that I was going to have to give up everything that I had in Los Angeles to redirect my life to Albany. I was really afraid, but I didn't have a choice. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I didn't, 
I was already in DOS and then I was instructed to relocate um, and live with Allison. So I didn't want to move to Albany. I had to kind of convince myself that moving to Albany was the right thing for me. Right. But that was also because I couldn't tell anybody the real right. reason why I was having to move. I was just like, oh, I'm really, really focused on my growth. See ya. Bye, everybody. People <laughs> which, which have is a great hard time for understanding that yeah. abuse of power. Yeah. Or they why really you do. would choose that. Like, well, you could say no. Like, well, not really. Not when you have that much collateral on the line. Mm. <laughs> No, and that's yeah. what that, and and that's actually one of the more frustrating things that I've heard before. And they're like, "Well, I would have just said no." I'm like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> let's yeah. see." Yes, yeah. that I'm sure you and I face similar frustrations when it comes to people understanding what we've been through. Even though, even though we went in slightly different paths and underwent different types of abuse, similar process, you, similar process, and you get it. And that's why I was so happy not only when you got out but when you decided to speak about it because i felt very alone there for a while i bet you did so i i'm i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah nippy nippy has had your i don't know if you know this but like in our war room meetings with your mom and the team nippy was just like he he really did see you as a little sister that that had been left behind and was like i'm gonna go and we're gonna and like we're gonna have a bus or like a tank well there was a moment where your mom looks at me i wish your mom looks at me right and she's like i think we should just go there and i look at her i go listen i'll go and you know throw her over my shoulder and she's like she's like nippy i'll pay for your flight we'll go there and (laughs) the plan was everything i was on board with but then i was like okay i get to the door do i have to grab india and throw over my shoulder and put her in a van and then like Am I going to have to kick someone else's ass in the process? Like You have Claire calling saying, oh, then, accuse them of kidnapping and make sure that you have a restraining order. Like, well, I was like, game. No recourse. Listen, I was game. Work. I was game. I was down for, you know, because I got to tell you, if, if it didn't get to, you know, and by the way, how quickly did law enforcement move on this? It was pretty impressive. But if it, if it wasn't I mean, going to go that way, we did. we yeah. did. We did. If it didn't go that way, I had plans. That I wasn't sharing with other people, but it involved a baseball bat waiting outside that house. For Keith, not you. Just so you know. <laughs> I mean, Just to be clear. No, yeah. I got that. I got that. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think you have to clear that up. I think your mom would have been in the car being like, all right, Nippy, here's what we're going to do. And I'm like, look, just point me in the right direction, Catherine. <laughs> so that's I where mean, I was I, in this I, whole thing. And I appreciate that. And I, and I mean, I've had my father say similar things, too. And the reality of it was that that probably just would not have worked. And no, it wouldn't have. Scary, ultimately, and that, I, it's scary to think that, but I don't, it wouldn't. It wouldn't, and ultimately, you know, if you're handling your problems with violence in that in that capacity, you open up a whole different set of other. Well, you problems. fall into the trap that they probably wanted you to fall into, yeah. which was to yeah. make a, another mistake so that they could get a win. Well, our what? commitment is our power. I would have committed to that <laughs> if. Uh, <laughs> If it had come to that. Is that um, one thing you're taking from SOP? Commitment uh, is your power, Ben? I didn't, I didn't need to take that. I had that anyway. Mm-hmm. There's a book, <laughs> India, called Power Versus Force. Oh, yeah. Most of the tech. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's insane. When you read it. I say tech in air quotes also. Versus, yeah. Right, right, right. It's by David yeah. Hawkins. And it cover. just read it. You're going to, even the examples. Wow. Yeah, even the he's examples. Such a, he's such a plagiarist. I know. And and someone even said, "Oh yeah, I'm sure 
you know, Keith probably read every book. I'm like, no, he didn't. He read probably every cliff note and then had yep. some intelligent woman read it for him and give mm -hmm. him the synopsis. And then he would steal it and create a curriculum. Yeah. But what? One of the women from XOSO told me that he, he literally gave them books and they would highlight passages and then give it back to him. And he would use mm -hmm. that to make the XOSO curriculum, which, by the way, that I hated. I hated XOSO. I'm like, why can't I do yoga? I also hated Jeanette. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it at first, I'm going to say. I did like it at first. And then it took a steep turn. Well, it has good conversations at first. Past yeah. Well, yeah. Just... And you're and you're like kind of shooting the shit to a certain extent. <laughs> exactly. But, That's what it uh, was. And that, that kind of feels nice. But then other than that, I was like, do I really have to do this? And then I actually, as long as I could get away with it, I didn't pay for it. Like oh, I didn't, yeah. I, I would change my credit cards. I would lose it. I would like re-enroll with the wrong credit card. <laughs> like All these random loopholes. Cause for some reason I like refused to pay for the ongoing group. I know $50 a month and for nothing. A lot. It's and a you lot. knew admin would, wouldn't get well, that right. It'd no, take him a year to figure that out. I'm going to throw in a witch house <laughs> my ass right here because you know what? For a success program, I say that in air quotes, their admin was so bad. Like, could they get someone who knows how to process an application and charge a credit card? No. It was pretty haphazard and it was easy to kind of like go over there and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I definitely put in the wrong credit card for that one. <laughs> I'll get back to you. <laughs> you know, someone's going to listen to this and go, I knew it. I knew India wasn't paying for Janess. I know. She's a parasite. I mean, I definitely paid for my fair share of other things. Oh, but yeah. I didn't, uh, I, 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 like, that was one of my ways of kind of, like, asserting myself. Mm -hmm. my, my way of asserting myself with Janess was I just stopped going. Like, during especially the long trainings, I'd have an excuse if I had to go, you know, like, Nippy would go pick up Troy. Oh, and I'd I be was like, fighting to pick up Troy. I'd be like, I'll go pick up Troy. And I'll be like, I'm going to, I need to make some enrollment cards. I really need to fill the next training. And then I'd, like, step outside and do laps around. We'll after go for a, a walk. Go for a walk and do work because I just couldn't sit there and talk about the same thing for four for hours. For 45 yeah. minutes. Four rounds. And then um, yeah. I, would, I finally went to sleep underneath the industrial tables. <laughs> He'd be sleeping <laughs> under the under those tables. What do you have a chaps my ass about Janesse? You can do multiples. You get spe you okay. can do as many as you want because you're a special All guest. Right. Let me oh thanks. <laughs> um let's see. What chaps my ass about Janesse is all the butchered feminism. I mean, like that is just next level because really we're just regurgitating all this misogyny. <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. And like, it took me a while to really see it for what it was. But when I did, I was like, holy shit, how did I believe that? Mm -hmm. Like, that's such bullshit. I think kind of, you know, crazy brilliant, I say brilliant again loosely, but um, how he was making it look like, let's anal let's look at our indoctrination. Let's look at our indoctrination so we can evolve it. Meanwhile, he was slipping in all this indoctrination that was so toxic. I still have thoughts about women that are like, that is not my belief. Could, you too? too. Yep. And I have to do exactly what you say. I have to like call it out and stop it and be like, that isn't right. Like, that's mm -hmm. not what you think. That's what you were taught to think. Mm -hmm. And and it, it's strange. I don't think people understand that either. Is like the reprogramming process. Mm -hmm. You really have to be disciplined with yourself. And I guess, mm -hmm. if, you know, there's one takeaway that's positive. It would be self-discipline. Mm -hmm. To be able right. to like True. redirect yourself towards the direction that you want to think mm -hmm. and the things that you believe in, that takes a lot of work and effort. Like it doesn't just happen naturally. Some parts do, but some of it is actual effort. <laughs> well, also life experiences too. When we were told stuff that went against life experience, life experience is hard to indoctrinate yourself out of. 
It really is. There are certain things that I would hear inside, even, you know, my five day and 16 day. I go, I agree with that. Don't agree with that. And even if my life experience wasn't entirely accurate, your life experience informs a lot of how you think and feel. I think that's why he got the, the women that he was most were successful younger. with were most the young ones. Were younger. Like yeah. the, the one that, that he got from the beginning, yeah. like Pam and Karen and Kristen, like all those women were 17, 18. Young. Yeah. And he knew what he was doing and they didn't know exactly. what he was doing. They had never seen it. You know, when I was growing up, I had pictures of athletes on my wall. Right. Those were my heroes. His heroes were people that were did what he did. You know, he, he even admitted he shit. admitted in some of his forums. He's like, I was very fascinated and when I went to Germany when I was young, like how you could indoctrinate people into that. He wasn't yeah. fascinated because he was horrified by it. He, he was wanted fa- to do it. He was fascinated because he was fascinated by it. Yeah. I think. Like if you if you're consistent with it with that kind of mind, it seems to me he sees people who are doing like Anytime you see someone who's doing something better than you, you're inspired by how they do it. I think he was inspired by that kind of thinking. Yeah, because he liked it. Right. That's one of the things that has been like recently more difficult to confront is just when all of this stuff comes back into the news, definitely feel triggered by it. And we were chatting about this earlier, Sarah, Mm -hmm. and just like have so many memories of walking around with Keith in Knox Woods and having seemingly casual conversation where I was just like disclosing so much information yeah. about myself. And I, I like when I think about that now, I feel really like vulnerable. Like, wow, mm-hmm. I was really in a place where I was, you know, giving yep. people information mm-hmm. and information that they were then, you know, in turn using against me. But I think that's a scary thought is like, wow, I was really with somebody who is a devil like mm-hmm. a truly demonic human being that is why they have a 120 year sentence for that mm-hmm. very reason and that i was so trusting of that person mm-hmm. for a certain time i mean also, I, I always felt uncomfortable about yeah me too him. that is the weird part. always always and i thought yeah. it was because he was a superior and that yeah. i felt like kind of intimidated by him but i never felt relaxed anytime he would ever touch right. me, me too. my my goosebumps would come up I would always mm-hmm. kind of feel a little frozen and I was like, what is wrong with you? And He's I got to get punished, yeah. mm-hmm. I get punished for not being comfortable around him. Yeah. And which is why he needed the edification that he did. And if it, if yeah. he wasn't able to get the information out of you, he had other people that could get it. Well, that that's you, tr- the other that thing. you genuinely trusted. I was just thinking about that the other day. You guys remember sitting in a forum or something where he was talking and you're like, wow, I feel like he's speaking directly to something I'm struggling with. And that's because he was. I also had the same thing. I thought there was something wrong with me that I felt like nervous around him like you would a celebrity and that I have nothing to really contribute. And people were, people were giving me shit. People were always like, why don't you spend more time with Keith? Like you're a high rank. Why don't you ask him to go for a walk? I'm like, you want to. But remember the other rule was never ask Keith something that you can ask other people. You don't want to waste his time. Yeah. Remember that? That was another rule. Yeah. So I was like, but I have nothing to ask him. I have nothing to ask him. I don't know what to ask him. That's how I felt. Also, I never felt yeah. he really resolved anything. So he just made you feel like shit about yourself. Well, I didn't. I, I, that wasn't. I just wasn't that interested in him as much as I were was what the company was theoretically doing. That is something that's also difficult yeah. for people to understand because they're like, "Well, weren't you into him?" And I'm like, "No." We were made to idolize him. I didn't even join ESP because I gave a shit about Keith Raniere. I, I mean, whatsoever. I thought, based on the pitch that Sarah and Mark gave that I thought was actually really exceptional, that I was going to be joining a program where I was going to be able to get rid of my fears and then execute my goals. Yes. 
And I was like, raise my hand because I wanted that so mm-hmm. badly at the time. Mm-hmm. And it really had nothing to do with Keith. And it wasn't until I, even when I went to Albany yep. and they're like, oh, we're going to go to volleyball and you're going to meet Keith. I was like, okay. I mean, I'm 19 years old. Like, why do I care about that? And I was unimpressed mm-hmm. when I first met him. And then it took five years of grooming and indoctrination yep. for me to get to the point where I was idolizing this person who I also felt really uncomfortable around and then was told that that was also my fault. Um, so it's a weird, uh, weird process that they took people through. And also probably why you understand, I'm guessing, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, why there's a few people we don't, we don't have to name them, but, you know, a few people that are holding on yeah. tight and, and still believe that he's innocent and that he's a good person. And people are like, you know, like, well, how can they be so stupid? And I'm like, actually, when I look at them, I go, I, I understand yeah. because I had that perspective at a certain yep. point where the world was against Keith and us as a company. And I'm like, well, they just don't understand. They don't understand. And so now mm-hmm. that they're there, I they've just double, tripled down on they don't understand. They don't. The world doesn't understand. It must be. It must be prosecutorial misconduct. Yeah, right? I'm a little yeah. less yep. sympathetic to that because, <laughs> well, no. In order to maintain their perspective, they have to insult everyone's intelligence and deny victimhood as and reality. In reality. And they basically lie about other people and slander their character while pretending to be morally superior. Oh, including to them. us, obviously, India. Yeah, no, yeah. and, and, yeah, and to me, I just, I just, I won't acquiesce to a model of the world where you know flat earthers have a have a podium to speak from. I think it's absurd. No, I don't, I don't agree with it either. But I feel like I'm sort of like in the middle yeah. there because I feel like you too, Sarah, where I completely understand their perspective because I was there mm-hmm. too, very much. But at the same time, I'm like. How? How at this stage? Like you know why? Because they're not re- they're not looking at the data. They're not look. They refuse to. No, of course they not. Refuse they will to... not right. read transcript. No. They will not look at any of the information that's out there because it's all fake news in their mind. Mm-hmm. And it really just makes me sad because actually really makes me hate Keith even more so because he still has control and is dictating a lot of their choices and they think that they're free agents. And no, they're not. right. And they're insulted by by any of us who are speaking out to even indicate that they're um not making free choices or that they're they're under yeah. influence or you know anything like that's that that's a little scary to me to think that there's still like a group of them mm-hmm. that are really supportive of each other really supportive of keith and his viewpoints and that's a little dangerous mm-hmm. in my mind that that is still existing and actually makes me feel afraid sometimes me too. and i don't like to walk I around agree. feeling afraid but i i do and you know, sometimes I'm looking over my shoulder a little bit more than I would like to, but I also don't like to think that those people are going to act violently against me because I feel like I've been very fair about the way that I've spoke about them in the hopes that maybe it would reach them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, well, you they are being change. violent towards you. Yeah. Well, pretending yeah, I mean, yeah, pretending are. to stand but, for something. I mean, so. But they won't hurt. They wouldn't hurt any. Well, it's a they, nonviolent organization, right? So they, they can't. Apparently so. Mm-hmm. But. It still feels freaky to think that someone would be that supportive of someone who is so blatantly disregarding of human beings, mm-hmm. including them. Keith doesn't give a shit about anyone. No, no, he doesn't. No, he loves he loves that he can make them dance. Totally, and know? he loves that they're probably still doing check ins and that they're probably still doing their persistencies and whatnot because it means he still has control over them and they think that they're self actualized. How do you feel about while we're talking today? By the way, how do you feel about the fact that Allison is no longer under his spell, apparently. 
according to her words. Yeah, I actually, when I read her apology, yeah. Okay to talk about it? I asked, I asked. Okay. (laughs) Didn't ask permission, but I did ask her a lawyer. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) But I feel really happy, actually, that she's been able to denounce him if Mm -hmm. what she's saying is genuine. Correct. Based on her apology, it really actually felt like her to me. Mm -hmm. It felt like her pre-cult self, like it was a really kind of simple and basic apology, but it seemed heartfelt. Like she has mm-hmm. seen the truth about who Keith is. And that is what I prayed for a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, not that I ever wanted to have a relationship with her again, mm-hmm. but that she would see the truth and be free of that, yep. of him. And it seems like she has. And I know that that's a really painful road because I know what it was like for myself. And there are many dark, dark days where sure. I had to confront certain decisions that I made certain people that have influenced me, certain people that I affected. And that's a lot. It takes a lot of balls Mm -hmm. to like go there. And you guys know this very well, Mm -hmm. that there's certain times where you're like, I don't know if I can live with myself. Mm -hmm. Like this just felt so awful at times. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know if Allison was going to be able to do that on her own. Uh, So I didn't like hold my breath, but I did hope that she would be able to. Well, she had help, and right? Her family was there. She, right? she did have help, yeah. but she, I had seen her towards the end and she was really, really digging her heels in. Like she wouldn't let her mom or her brother or anybody influence her. Really? So the fact that she had to be with them under house arrest is probably the biggest gift that she got. And she said that in her apology. She said that she was really grateful that she had her family to Mm -hmm. support her through this. And she was also really grateful for all the people that had spoken out, even though she had felt angry at times, she realized that what they had done is actually real love. Oh, wow. Good for her. That's nice. Yeah, And I thought that was a big statement for her Mm -hmm. to say, Mm -hmm. given where she started. And I, I, I don't think that she is maybe at the same rate of healing as maybe someone like you or me or Nippy mm-hmm. is, but to go from where she is to where she has gotten is tremendous. Huge. That's the hardest part. Amount of growth. Yeah, mm-hmm. the hardest part. So I do feel hopeful for her, for her future, but she is not someone who I ever intend to relate with again because mm-hmm. I just don't need that at all in my life. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I told somebody today who asked me that question, that, and, and I'm sure it'll come up again when Lauren is sentenced, which is more... Mm-hmm you know, going to be a bigger deal for me than this and than yesterday was. But I said that I wouldn't mind. Uh, I, I'm just like, I like closure. You know, I like, I don't like ruptures <laughs> and I, d- I don't necessarily want a friendship, but I, I would, I would like to see her and even to hear, hear that apology to my face or just to kind of recap some things. I don't know. I, and I feel that way about Lauren too, actually. I feel yeah. differently about Lauren mm-hmm. than I do about Allison. I feel differently about all of them. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And and Keith was a really different situation for me where I felt like his sentencing, it was really important for me to just say what I needed to say mm-hmm. and confront him directly. Whereas I feel like I've had a certain amount of closure with Allison because of all the other things that I've gotten to do mm-hmm. in these last couple of years. And it was different. It was like, I knew that there was nothing that was go- that I was going to say that was going to affect Keith because mm-hmm. he has no empathy. Right. So it was just my opportunity to get it all out and be like, this is what you fucking did. So mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. Right. but how'd that um, feel by the way? No, <laughs> scary as shit. I was shaking so mm-hmm. bad. I what was, was like, he like? Mm-hmm. What did he look he like? like? Oh, he had this whole, he was this innocent little lamb, yeah. like yeah. sitting up there with his lawyer. And I was like, 
you are such a fucking liar. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's it's his soft and, voice. Like his in his yeah. It, yeah. Un- understand. It was repulsive. Mm-hmm. And then understand. he has the audacity to call us all liars after we, you know, even after your video, mm-hmm. after all of our victim impact statements. He would like sit back with his little, you know, with his little protector there and called us all liars. So clearly it didn't affect him at all. Mm -hmm. And I didn't expect that from Allison, but I was pleasantly surprised that it had changed for her. And then I realized I don't need to be there to address her Mm -hmm. because she's already, Mm -hmm. she already knows, you know what I mean? Like she, she has suffered and she will continue to suffer with her three year sentence and then three years of parole or whatever she's given. And she has a lot of opportunity to reflect. Mm-hmm. Do you feel good so, about it? I mean, good is a weird I mean, word. Like, do you feel like it's yeah, fair? I, mean, I feel like it's fair because mm-hmm. I really tr- trust our judge. And so I think I. that he's, yeah, he's been pretty amazing. incredibly fair throughout all of this. And that he set a really good standard. He really by did. Keith 120 years mm-hmm. because he, it, Keith is the real problem. Yeah. Right. And no, we yeah. all know this. Right. Allison Everybody didn't sign up for this. Collateral right. damage from this. Right. Mm-hmm. She did not sign up to be used and abused and tortured and have her life ruined. That's mm-hmm. all Keith. Right. Yeah. And I know that. And so even though she committed crimes, I do think it's fair mm-hmm. because she did commit crimes yeah. that mm-hmm. really did hurt people. Yeah. We got to set a precedent. Yeah, yeah you, you do. do. No, you and run the red light. No tolerance for mm-hmm. abuse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You run the red light. You, you pay the fine. It doesn't feel good. Uh, do you think she de- deserves more time than Bill Cosby? No. It's crazy. How do you feel? Isn't that crazy that happened on the same day? How nuts is that on the same fucking day he gets let loose? Like, and the inconsistencies of that just to me blow my mind. I have noticed there is like generally online that people are kind of like WTF about it, but I don't think they understand like coercive control or, or indoctrination. And I, I believe the judge does. And I totally trust him. Totally. Oh, I do Honestly, too. his I, language I, reflected. Did you that. read his memorandum? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Part of it. Yeah. I read it too last night. That was hard to read, mm-hmm. yeah. but it was so clear. And I, it actually gave me a lot of validation because I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this is how I see it now. This is not how I used to see things three years ago, but I see it as clear mm-hmm. as his writing. And so I was like, thank God. Yay. Victory for us. Mm-hmm. But also, it was really disturbing because mm-hmm. it reminded me that we're all connected in different ways to to these sentencings mm-hmm. to the to Keith and to Allison and you know whoever's going to come forward forward next whether it's Ka- uh, Lauren Nancy and Kathy mm-hmm. we're all connected to that mm-hmm. and that's a lot to take in and to process and to know that because of what everyone did at different stages it has affected that moment for the rest of their oh, lives. Oh, absolutely. I felt that when I saw her coming out with the paparazzi swarming her and I just broke down in tears because I was like, Me too. I was at her first Jeunesse training, you know, like I was, I saw her, I saw her get swept up and go on the plane and go meet Keith right after that. And like, targeted, really. That's what it was. Targeted. She was targeted. But I, have you seen the vow scene where she gets, where she meets Keith? I have not, but I, you I've heard seen about clips it? of that. Part. Okay. Yeah. And I heard, I heard about that and it is scary to see that because that's kind of the way she looked when she was around him, mm-hmm. where she was really just under a spell. And I think a lot of people think that that thing that just happens overnight, mm-hmm. it doesn't really happen overnight. Right. It's a slower drip. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a process. But he got her very quickly. And that's like, I remember saying to Nippy, if I had seen what he did to her, like if I'd been in Albany when she got hooked, I would have been like, that's so gross. You don't talk to people. Like he, he just like, 
with his eyes like pierced her soul and she was like uh mm-hmm. and it was it was awful to watch and it's like you know they made skits about it on saturday night live you know what i mean like this has become a yeah. pop culture phenomenon this whole thing and that moment i could see how i mean i just it made me really angry it made me so angry and, that, and to know that he that that was done to you and i just i wish that i mean we were all so siloed you know, we're also separate from from what was actually going and we on. We weren't allowed to talk about what was really going no. on. No, you no, know and I, like, I couldn't have told so you either. Rules. I couldn't have told you because I would have been breaking rank to say anything that I was upset with, right, or anything yeah. negative because you weren't allowed to criticize anyone. No, that was also that was speaking you know, dishonorably. So, yeah, strategic, mm-hmm. <laughs> strategic rules mm-hmm. to protect Keith. But, so no, I don't feel good about it, right. but I do feel affirmed. Mm-hmm. To know that, like, that even when I have had and continue to have challenging days, it's not for nothing. Like, it actually has a reason. Mm-hmm. And when I was reading his memorandum, I'm like, fuck, that it was really, really gnarly. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and I know you know too, Sarah. And like, the, the fact that you were able to see it when you did and speak about it even before anyone else was speaking about it is huge, huge. And I, Thank you. I, I don't think people understand like the gravity of that. It makes me want to cry because mm-hmm. it is so hard to go against mm-hmm. programming mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Additionally, with collateral in mm-hmm. place that will damage the people that you love most. And, and if you're an empathetic person, like that is worse than chains because right. it's, you know, the thing, taking the things that you love the most and tarnishing them. So I have enormous amount of respect for what you did and what everybody did who left before me and after because everyone had to do it, take enormous risks. Yeah. Well, so, and we all yeah. did in different ways and for the responsibility we had with the roles we had in the organization. But, you know, there was a moment when we knew we had to get out, but we didn't know we were going to go public or try to take it down or whatever. And one of the reasons we did is we put together very quickly through everyone's different intel that, you know, there were a lot of slaves. And for sure, we knew that you were under Alice. Like, as soon as we pieced together what it was, we're like, okay, for sure, India is under Allison. You know, and right. we, we put it all together. I'm like, I, and Nippy and I talked about it with everyone who's leaving. Like, we're, we can't leave them there. We can't, we have to free them. And but I just want to say, like, it feels like there was a moment where people were saying things like, this person took down Nexium, that person took down Nexium. I feel particularly uncomfortable when people say that about me because it just, I was the face of it at the beginning. But you, you know yeah. your 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 mom. No, but I no don't me see neither. It like that no, either. Mark I and Bonnie. As, I see it yeah. as a, it was a well, team. It was a whole team. Yeah, it was a team, but it was a team of like multiple yes. layers. And like you said, everyone had a specific role and had to participate in the way that they did in order to effectively change yeah. it. So I feel like even for me, my role was I stayed in really long compared to a lot of other people, but I also got a shit ton of information Mm -hmm. from being on the inside that was actually really helpful to the FBI when I was working with them for nine months because I saw it crumbling at the very end and seeing what everyone was doing and all of the crimes that they were committing at the tail end to try and Mm -hmm. cover things up, I thought were kind of... Yeah. normal because I had normalized a lot of that behavior. So by the time I'm, you know, out and ready to, to talk to the FBI, I'm saying things kind of like haphazardly yeah. and they're like, what? Yeah. You provided, yeah, Wait you provided proof about <laughs> things that I only had heard. You know, I'm when I first went to them, I was like, this is what I think is going on. I mean, 
I give them my computer, I give them my phone. I said, take whatever you need. Here's specific text messages I think that are helpful. But I didn't have a lot of proof yet. But when they investigated, no, they I found knew the proof. a lot yeah. of that wow. because I was there. And for some reason, they called me the vault because everyone wanted to tell me their secrets, like Nikki Klein and Allison and even some things Keith told me that were unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess people just thought I was, you know, dumb and I was just going to take it in one ear and leave it out the other. But I was just making people feel comfortable so they would share with me. And some of those things I didn't want to remember and some of those things I did. And those were things that I ended up sharing with the FBI. And it did support everything that everyone who had already come out had said. So it was like everybody needed each other. And that's why I also feel uncomfortable with that topic of like, oh, there's, you know, the Val camp and the seduce camp. I'm like, who the fuck cares? I'm so glad you like, said that. Everyone was there for the same image goal. wars. Like we are talking about Keith Raniere here, the fucking predator, Keith Raniere. The per- reason why we're all doing this is not for our own self, you know, in grand, you know, to rebrand ourselves or whatever. It's because we had an obligation to do this in order for our own mm-hmm. healing. And also to share the mm-hmm. truth because you can't not like, once you know, you can't, pretend yeah. and <laughs> that you don't know. And I wanted to do that. I wanted to just like run away to the mountains and change my name and not have to deal with any of this shit. And then I realized if I don't deal with this, yeah. this is going to. Yeah. That's me. why most people actually you probably know this from your, from your self-education, but most people join another group because they call top. They don't heal and they just mm-hmm. join another one. Yep. So I'm glad you did that. That no, work. I mean, yeah. And I'm still doing it and I know you are too. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes a like I said, a lot of discipline, but I have always wanted to stay focused on like what the real goal was. Right. And the goal is to, to expose Keith Raniere and, and for people to understand coercion and to make this conversation about cults and sexual abuse more mainstream so that less people feel afraid to yeah. talk about yeah. it. Turn and, your experience into content. What, yeah, Exactly. And that is what I feel like I've been able to do. And I want to move through it and out towards the other side to be able to do more of what I am passionate right. about. But it is a process. And so like, sometimes people will be like, Oh, why are they still talking about Nexium? We're not still just sitting around talking about Nexium. <laughs> like <laughs> none of us really just want to sit around and talk about Nexium. We're doing this for a purpose. Yeah. And the purpose is to move on and move forward. And, 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 and not just you know, get clarity and not just like when I hear people on the other side going, Oh, they're, you know, just doing it for the book deal. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Do you know how stressful it is to write a book? No, right, it's really stressful. And right? it's not like you're rolling in dough no, when you write a book. Like no. the literary world is, is really archaic. It is yeah. not. <laughs> My favorite line is, and I got this from Jess, think. our producer, just waiting for that whistleblower money to come rolling in, just waiting for it. Right? Yeah, no, it doesn't doesn't look like that. No, and I want to, I want to read something, and Nippy's going to make fun of me, but I, I wrote this in August 30th of 20. 17. That's the year we left, right? 2017, right, babe? Yep. So I used to journal. So I journal. I had a lot of dreams about everyone I left behind, and including you, Indiana. I wrote this about you when, oh God, I'm going to cry, when you were still in. Just August 30th. Just had the most beautiful dream about India. Not sure where I was, but we were outside eating dinner with friends, and I saw her coming towards us on a field. Her hair down, flower dress and boots, ethereal and casual, like a free people print ad. She looked so full and healthy. I almost didn't recognize her as she passed me. I knew we weren't allowed to talk, but I needed to make contact. So I reached out my hand and she took it reluctantly. But as soon as we were touching, I pulled her close and we embraced. It was so 
I have no words. Surreal. Her body was hard, stiff like a mannequin, hardened with pain. But she softened in my arms, and we were both crying so deeply we couldn't let go. And I remember thinking, am I wearing earplugs? Because I couldn't hear anything except a high-pitched tone. And, st- and time stood still, and I, all I could do was feel the love and hurt flow between us and the intensity of the emotion and the physical contact. I can't read my own writing. <laughs> the physical contact from the past 16 months. Oh, it must have been the year after. It pulled me from slumber and back to reality. The tether was so strong, I begged to, back, to go back to dreamland to take me back. I had so many questions for her, so much to say. I wasn't done. Now I'm writing from my living room. They're watching Transformers. India is in Malibu with her mother. She is safe. We are out, but we're not yet healed. So that was, I guess, the wow. year you'd been. We, I knew you were out, but we hadn't talked yet. And I just wow. love to see you right now because that's you just look so healthy and so back Thank to you. you. And it makes me really happy. Thank you. I really, I feel really, really lucky. Yes, we're all lucky. Um, yeah, we're all really lucky. With how, <laughs> like, how, I how it went off. down. And, yeah. Um, so yeah. was I watching Transformers? <laughs> Yes. Because I don't remember that. (laughs) Troy was watching Transformers. Okay. That's a very um, beautiful and accurate symbol. Yeah. Uh, I think so too. It's so so weird to try to explain to people what it feels like to like be living a double life that you can't really reconcile because you can't be honest about your experience. And that's really how I felt in the last couple of years, specifically in DOS. And I, I did feel very fractured when I was in ESP as a coach as well, yeah. like one foot in, one foot right. out and really feeling lost. Mm-hmm. But it was more so in DOS because of all the secrecy mm-hmm. and then all of the compounding collateral and whatnot to the point where it's like, you almost have to convince yourself that the collateral doesn't exist mm-hmm. so that you can function. Mm-hmm. You can't think about it at the same time and do your life. So that was one of the things that took so long to admit to myself that I was really afraid of the collateral. I was curious if that happened to you, if like feeling like like your emotions were catching up with what you're starting to understand about what had happened. Oh, you mean since like it being wasn't out? always in conjunction. Yeah, since being out. You would have a realization about what had happened or like you would kind of understand the reality versus what you were taught to think and then your emotions would come later and you would be like either crying or having a meltdown you're like oh my god this now makes sense because like I had to have them both happen I couldn't just intellectualize it I had to like feel it again Mm -hmm. well I think because we were so caught at least for me I felt so cut off from my feelings in general me too right actually one of my big kind of ahas i don't know if i've talked about it here or i'm sure where i did but look nippy and i knew we were out this is early days like weeks after and nippy made a comment like you know i just i just want to hike and like do normal things with my family like yeah. what a relief we don't have to go to all these intensives kind of thing and i said i know you know and i was just like i was like i'm so happy and he goes like, yeah see now you're happy and he made it a, kind of in a jokey way like you know you're happy because your worlds are aligned like it's a control strategy like you're just getting what you want as if, and I go, no, actually, Nippy, that's something that makes me happy, and that's okay. Whoa, did you just throw me under the bus? No, 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 I'm not throwing you under the bus. I was talking about at that moment when we realized that we'd actually been taught that feeling happy wasn't okay, because feeling yeah, happy, we right, just meant that your quote worlds were aligned, which means you controlled things insofar as that you got what you wanted, and that's not good because it means it's covering no. up a deficiency. Like, how fucked is that? It's so fucked up. I know I had so many moments after I had left in in the beginning that were those types of realizations where I remember the first 
So I was working really, really hard when I was in New York City because I just didn't want to have to deal with my life falling apart all around me. Mm. So I would work like 14 hour days. And I had just started dating Patrick and he decided that he was going to take me on a trip to Connecticut, like for the weekend, like a normal person would. <laughs> like the normal person would stop working and then go away for the weekend. Yeah. And I was like, I can't do that. And he was like, well, why not? What else do you have to do? I was like, uh, I just like, I just <laughs> couldn't figure out why I felt like I wasn't allowed to just enjoy my life and take off. And so he was like, okay, well, let's try. So we go up to the beach and I start having a panic attack on the sofa when he, like he was cooking in the kitchen and I was lying down, you know, trying to relax <laughs> and I start having a panic attack and he's like, are you okay? And I was like, I don't know what's happening to me, but I can't breathe. Like I I'm struggling to breathe and I feel like I'm not allowed to do this. And, wow. and he was like, what? what, like, what are you not allowed to do? Like he couldn't, he couldn't get it, but it was so clear to me, but I also couldn't communicate what I was struggling with. So I just sort of was like, let me just breathe this out and I'll I'll let you know, like what comes up if anything comes up. And he came back into the room after I had sort of like calmed myself down. And he said, you know what, when I'm done with you, you're going to know how to chill. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you because something. I felt so far from that. I felt so far from being able to do that. I mean, I still struggle Honestly, with it, but that's, not to that extent. That's what I was about to say. Nippy's still trying to get me to sit still because it's, you know, it's just hard. It's hard. I totally get that. I, have, I mean, I take a lot of CBD to like chill the F out because otherwise, I mean, if you really think about... <laughs> What's happened to CBD's us? CBD's bullshit doesn't work. It's not true. This is an ongoing work. debate between us. Some people, some people are sensitive to it. I, it doesn't help me as much. Long back, and I prefer marijuana to be honest. But we do it all. Uh, yep. Spe- yeah, especially long baths. That's my lane. Long baths, mushrooms really help. <laughs> There's a lot of really like good tools that if you need to kind mm-hmm. of crack into your emotions, sometimes you need a little help. You can't always just jump from numb to normal. Mm-hmm. I think microdosing mushrooms is actually really good for anxiety. I do. Little too. plug for that. Working out. Martin, if he loves to work Working out. Working out. Yeah, I actually started to train uh, aggressively. You did kickboxing, right? Boxing and personal training. So, okay. like a lot of weightlifting and things like that mm. uh, because I just needed it. I needed to, mm. one, rebuild my strength and also just learn to trust my body again. And feel good about my body and have the body that I wanted, which was a muscular, lean mm-hmm. body. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I actually like like myself a lot more, but that's because I prioritize what I yeah, yeah. find attractive. Yeah, not what somebody <laughs> else wants. Well, yeah, not what someone else wants. Well, Nippy used to say that all the women around Keith had a, what did, what did you call it? The Mick Jagger body? Yeah, they all looked like Mick Jagger. Yeah, and like emaciated. and. Yeah. Like the skinny, skinny legs, yeah. the big bobble head, mm. the hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like 70s rock stars, oh, Rod Stewart and Mick Jagger. <laughs> or Little you, did you know. Tell me I'm wrong. I mean, I don't, you know. Tell, you're, you're not. You're right. Yeah, I remember we were playing basketball at V-Week, and I think you were with, you were there, India, and it was like a real competitive game. I don't know if you remember this. And you were like, Jesus, you, you guys go hard. I don't know if you, you remember that. Yeah, I do. I don't know what it was in relation. To, oh, it was in working out hard. Well, we we also had a therapist that taught it's us non sequitur. Don't worry about it. Non <laughs> that when you're stressed out or you're dealing with anxiety or depression, as we all have been, I'm sure in different ways, you have to either sweat it out or cry it out. Otherwise, those stress yeah. hormones yeah, yeah. really can mess with you. Yeah. Totally. 
that's why I, even before sometimes I do work or podcasts or anything, mm-hmm. I make sure that I exercise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just need it. Fuck, and fucks I, with your I sleep. just found too. it. It does. I actually it did does. a kickboxing thing this morning in your honor. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I was like, this is for India. I gotta do more Thank of this. Yeah, I, I I love my boxing. It has taught me so much. And sometimes you really <laughs> just need to punch the shit out of something mm-hmm. when you can't verbally communicate why you're so upset. So sometimes my boxing coach, he'll see me and I'll just be like, <laughs> just hitting, hitting, hitting. And he's like, I don't want to know who you're imagining. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a great documentary you can watch. Like <laughs> yeah. Know the details. <laughs> Where, where are you living? Are you no, in Are you in LA, India? I am. How is it out there? You know, it's good. It, it was definitely weird during the pandemic, yeah. and we took off and did some road tripping mm-hmm. uh, just to when our lease was up on our last place, mm-hmm. and then we came back to Los Angeles just in April. So cool. it's it's been good, but it, it's definitely a little behind. And I actually really enjoyed our time in the South because it kind of felt more normal. Yeah, Atlanta's uh, wide open right and, now. Yeah, and, and and so I have varying opinions of. We'll have to do a different podcast. Yeah, that's a totally different. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it, it is. There's a lot. There. It is parallel because if you if our wisdom is worth what we think it is, uh, we're sensitive to indoctrinations, right? Mm-hmm. And propaganda, and it's pretty much all you all we're getting right now. You know, you, it, you honestly, turn on, no, it's, so it's hard. Difficult. It's really hard for me to know what's what. It really it's is. What I, it's, you turn on Fox News, it's how bad the Democrats are. You turn on CNN, it's how bad the Republicans are. And, and no one's talking about ideas. No one's they politicized, no. you know, medicine. It's a binary world that we have to live in. And people are always eliciting which side you're on. And it's just, I mean, we've been here I before. Actually, but, we have been here before. And I was with someone um, recently who was like, what is with? Americans and being so involved in everybody else's business. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I was like, you're kind of, you're, you're right. And he's, he's from Mexico. Yeah. And he was like, what about like your family and your job? And like, just kind of like doing normal person. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a really good point. It because is. I do think that we're so focused on each other and like correcting each other's behavior that you forget about just the fundamental basic parts of living mm-hmm. and how that it's just not necessary to be people feel emboldened involved. yeah they feel emboldened yeah, to like, figure out how you think and then persecute you for not thinking the way they do i like it's to seek familiar. out I, yeah i know right it's really it's yeah. super actually triggering some of the parallels but before we go on a political tangent I had a, I'm done. It, well, okay. I mean, I, yeah, I'm, no, no, we're good. Yeah. I, but I wanted, I wanted to ask India because I know we're running out of time. What, like, is there anything that you wanted to ask us that you never, never got to know, or anything oh. that you were curious about? We don't, we don't normally let our guests ask us questions, but you get to. <laughs> what have been some of the other realizations that you had when you left that were kind of like paradigm shifting? Because. I know for me, some people have asked in interviews, like, what was your one aha moment? I'm like, there was no one aha mm-hmm. moment. Whole like, bunch. There's been layer after layer after layer of aha. And so I feel like those are really important in people's healing and recovery. So I was curious about like some of the more major ones for you that were kind of breakthroughs. And with my first therapist that I spoke to who wasn't a cult expert. And so I kind of had to like go over with him a f- the first few modules, which were like the, you know, the foundation of everything we learned after that. Cause I was, I think at the time I was dealing with something that I couldn't explain to him without explaining to him the concept of at cause and some of the key principles that were 
so foundational. And so when I was teaching it to him, I was explaining to him um, something about needs and how we learned in, you know, right at the beginning that we only have needs that are survival based, really. Remember, they asked us to write a list of all your needs and we would put all our needs and then would, we, most of us yeah. included things like love and health and security and family and comfort and connection and community or all these things, right? And basically, if you listened and paid attention and were a good student, you you agreed and admitted to really we only need survival, you know, Maslow's hierarchy, food, shelter, air, whatever. Yeah. And how when I expressed something that I felt like I needed, I felt like in my life, I, I didn't know how to express those things or whatever. And and, and my therapist, who, it was kind of great that he wasn't a cult expert because he was genuinely like, but those are, okay, there's needs to survive, but what about needs to thrive? And I was like, oh, totally. Like we were made to think we didn't need connection. We don't need support. Like, right. of course I don't need it to breathe, but like for a full rich life, I want those things. To feel guilty. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I feel guilty about wanting that. I feel guilty about wanting a certain type of connection or support or like somehow something's wrong with me that I'm looking for. Those are normal totally. th- things. And then I thought, totally felt yeah, that. <laughs> isn't that crazy? And like, I'll have to think, and then I, th- yeah. I actually referenced all the women that had that had been there and been there for so long. I don't even mention their names. You know who they are, but moved there with him and like part of the harem or group, whatever you want to call it. And they were so miserable. They're vapid too. They're vapid, and like they were, they gave up all their hopes and dreams mm-hmm. to like serve him essentially. And remember, and they, we're noble about it. Yeah, didn't Lauren say to you once? You're like, she doesn't she say this is what growth looks like, Nippy? Well, so when I knew I was out, yeah, I went up to volleyball to take the temperature and see what I could see. And she was asking me about why Mark had left. Mm-hmm. And I'd already had a conversation with Mark and I was out. And I just wanted to see what, you know, what was going on. You, she was seeing how much Lauren would lie. He was seeing how much and Lauren I said, would lie to her. I said, yeah. I said, yeah, you know, what do you think? She got a conversation. She was basically saying, and I think this is what she was indoctrinated to believe. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, no, she, know, I'm yeah. not, it's not a persecution of Lauren. You know, in any no, in any we, sense. we know that that's yeah. the yeah. precursor yeah. to all of this. Because yeah. <laughs> I, um, I think you know, I liked Lauren and like her, like you know, my relationship with her. But this chasm, obviously, and she was like, "Well, Mark was asking questions about why the women are so miserable looking and why they're so thin and why they're so." You know, Mark was going back and forth. You need to understand when we would go back yeah. and forth, we felt like we were coming to a funeral every time we went to Albany. Like it was our joke. We're like, we're going to awake, you know? And sometimes we were, ironically. And Lauren was like, you know, I told him that's what growth looks like. You come to Albany, it's not the best place in the world. You're in your shit and your growth. And that's when I just said, No, in my head. I was like, that's not what growth looks like. The yeah. best years of my life I was growing, you know, before that. Yeah. Like it of course it's gonna be hard. It's supposed to be hard when you're trying to achieve something and you grow your character and all those things, but you're not miserable when you're doing it. You're not in your shit when you're doing it, right? And that belief no. was perpetrated throughout, mostly Albany. I felt closer to Keith it was. Like, I felt like when you went to Mexico, it was a party. When you came to Vancouver, <laughs> it was a party. Like, the oh, no, centers, but we were being superficial. But the, but the centers took on the personality of the leadership, and people, you know, weren't yeah. that morose, and they weren't that dark. You can go to L.A., and you have fun, and people go, oh, this is great. I'm getting my goals, which is why I love doing the goals lab, because that felt like you are actually doing something. And that, to me... The rest me, was just spinning your wheel. Right, and that... And that that to me when I got out too was like, that was one of the things I didn't relate to because I didn't like it, which is why I didn't do a lot of the things, you know, there's certain things that I just wasn't susceptible to and I wasn't targeted for, right? Mm-hmm. As a male in the organization. I think you have a chat uh, my ass around about that, don't you? What? The 
Just some of the things that they asked you to do, putting you on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. Stop doing that. Um, <laughs> chaps my ass when you put me on the spot. Um, You're not allowed to do chaps your ass about me. You can only do chaps my I ass mean, about well, sex you. Know, you know, stop chapping my ass. <laughs> You're, you're his uh, wife. You're going to yeah. chat his I ass. I chat his ass on a daily uh, I basis. I mean, listen, here's it's a couple things. If you don't make me I wait do and you yes. don't add 20 things before we get out the door, that's just who great. I am. Well, you got to accept not me. Who you are. <laughs> yeah. It's Same thing with Lauren. You don't go to all It's not in your <laughs> shit. You know, it's not who you are. You don't have to be that way. Just twist did, it on Did you. we get your chops, my ass? Did we cover um, them all? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, no, there was another one that I thought of. The amount of times that I was delayed in the chicago airport (laughs) because there is no simple way to get to albany and you guys anyone knows this there's no fucking direct flight no you literally have to go to the worst airports in winter to get stalled and i was probably three times in freaky motels in detroit because united airlines put me there while i waited out a snowstorm and i'm like what am i doing here like why what and that was to get to an intensive so all <laughs> and also united would always lose your bags united dude I would, always. always are we gonna get sued no, check it, no sorry. <laughs> in my opinion united always lose my i would in fact i would always travel with a whole set of clothes for the next day when i flew united because i always knew i didn't, wouldn't get my bag so here's albany. what i did india i would you know i would do vancouver o'hare either albany or kennedy wait and right? how well did you know that chicago airport by oh, the way i knew it i well. knew where the salad I, I bar was besides about the light <laughs> did you know it like tunnel. the back of your hand Sarah? like the back of my hand oh my God, me. i really so did amazing. it was so crazy <laughs> so i started going through milwaukee milwaukee's airport it's Washington, Dallas. Not, yeah. not great. No. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh! Uh, but yeah, so that chapped my ass. That's a good I one. Mean, it also, that is a good one. Um, that is a good one. Credit card debt also chapped my ass, mm-hmm. but you know that's a whole other subject. Yeah, yeah. It's a, that that would that chaps my ass too. And and the and the credit card wouldn't give me my money back even after I said that this is fraudulent. And then they said, "Well, actually, that reminds me. I got to follow up with them because they said when criminal charges." place oh then we'll God. get i i gotta call right. i gotta call visa to be like, be like listen, listen bitches, bitches i want my this. money back this isn't legit 20 motherfucker <laughs> uh, yeah actually but that, that's the weird that's another weird thing yeah. is like when you have to kind of explain to people where you were the past seven years of you know your life yeah and that also chaps my ass because sometimes when you're talking to like either a government facility like for instance taxes and they're like, so what was going on between 2000 and blah, blah, and 2000? And I'm like, well, hmm. a little bit of a strange situation, but I wasn't making any money for a really long time because I was in a cult. Are you in front of like, your computer? <laughs> Can you Google Keith? <laughs> right. Say and no more. Like, okay. And they like, don't really want to ask any more questions, right. but they're also intrigued and kind of confused. And I'm like, I have an explanation for anything. I just don't know how much you want to know. Right. <laughs> it's a really interesting story. I find, well, I'm sure that most people you meet probably know your story at this point, but every now and then meeting somebody at a dinner party who doesn't know anything no, about it. No, not most. I, yeah. I love it when people don't know yeah. anything about me. It's awesome. Yeah. And I prefer it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but when they start asking questions, you kind of have to tell them a little bit. And then of course it ends up like dominating the conversation because everybody wants to know the details of you know the sex cult right. which i'm the, sure that you also hate as much as i do that name. i do yeah. i hate it when it's called the sex uh, cult so, i hate it when so they use aggravating. it in the, the headlines yeah. and things because i'm like that's not really 
what this was. No, I get it that it was in its core. Yeah. I mean, when you strip it down, right. it was the core. But not of, for so many you know, of us. Sex ring. Yeah. But not for a lot of people. Yeah. And, and so I feel like that's really unfair. Yeah. But I also understand why the media uses yeah. it. It's sensational. It gets attention, but it's annoying. Well, Absolutely. and that's where I think all of us can come together when it gets the attention to be responsible with the platform and steer it in the right direction. Yeah. Keep the focus on track, yeah. get it away from the sensational stuff and, you know, promoting abusers like Keith Raniere and even the, his, some of his loyalists who are really vocal and supportive. Like don't, don't focus on them. Focus mm-hmm. on the survivors, I focus agree. on the people who, who, who want to make change and, and people who are willing to be honest about a very complicated situation because then other people can listen, they can learn and they can avoid mm-hmm. it. And I feel like we have a superpower. Now we do. Mm-hmm. We've been able to see it from the inside out. And we can also be an inspiration for other people who are in the middle of their own crisis and, and trying to sum up, summon up the courage to leave or speak out. And mm-hmm. do you have any advice for people from going through what you've gone through? Like what you'd say to people who might be unsure if they should do what you've done or to leave or any advice? Oh, I mean, I think that it's really about learning to listen to yourself mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And learning to trust your gut and your instincts, because I don't think that going public is necessarily the route for everyone to heal. I actually mm-hmm. think that it can be very re-traumatizing. And so I wouldn't necessarily suggest that unless you are absolutely ready. For my case, I didn't have the option mm-hmm. to not be outed. Right. So I had to kind right. of deal with what had already happened and figure out how I was going to take my life back in my own hands. And what direction I wanted to guide it in. And I was already out. So if you have your anonymity and that's really important to you, protect that. Mm -hmm. If you want to speak out and you need to reach somebody who is a responsible and a respectful counsel, there's people out there that are willing to help you legally. So that's one way to go. You don't have to go directly to the media, but although it can be effective, I think primarily you have to just learn to listen to yourself again mm-hmm. because you as you know it's so easy to be manipulated mm-hmm. yep. and to have yourself to be doing things that are not in your best interest and mm-hmm. i even found that with myself coming out that i had fallen into a couple traps along the way even while i was trying to figure out what had happened mm-hmm. to me so you have to just be aware that other people are out there and that they that you're in a vulnerable place and that to look for the right support system that helps you heal. That's good advice. Well put. So I don't think it's a you know a blanket statement for everybody. Right. I think no, I agree with you. In, in in the approach that they take, and everyone has the right to because they know what they need for their own healing. When you tap into that, mm-hmm. it also chaps my ass that we weren't allowed to speak and we couldn't be a support system for each other for until for so long, like until recently. Oh, that was so. Hard. It was really hard. I really wanted to like mm-hmm. just commiserate and share and hug you and all those things we weren't allowed to talk until the legal stuff was over and that was really really difficult real problem for a lot of people that are working that are that become cooperating witnesses Mm -hmm. with the government or that are going to testify or whatnot Mm -hmm. it is really lonely like you're in Mm -hmm. a silo Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and you are not allowed (laughs) to communicate with anybody again and then i remember them telling me they're like keep your circle really small you're not allowed to share anything that you're doing with anybody. I was like, God, I have been here before. Right. Yeah. It's not <laughs> like, a good place know, for victims. No, it's not. And I wish to God that there were better programs available because mm-hmm. I really looked for them and there weren't many available at all. 
Really? So I really relied on my family a lot. Yeah. Even just like with therapy and just services mm-hmm. provided. I absolutely loved our prosecutors and our Aren't team. They I amazing? thought that they did an excellent Those job. Amazing. But superstars. But I think that there's a real gap lack of yeah therapeutic help and counseling that should be available to people that are in this situation Mm -hmm. we're gonna have moira on our podcast in second season Mm -hmm. how much do you love moira love her i addition we we chat about shoes (laughs) oh she i mean her her when i met her i was like who is this fbi agent who's like head to toe prada that's what i was thinking (laughs) which was so ironic that she took Keith down because she he, she was totally his type that's like right did you think no, that my mom and i would joke about that all the time we're like haha stiletto took you out bitch. yes <laughs> but I, the, the poetic justice there's no bounds uh, it's great uh, it's oh, great man. to see you smile it's really good idea. yeah it's really good to see you so hey, happy but, this is really helpful i was not having a good day i was crying since last night so oh man i really needed this <laughs> at well, some point i want to have a conversation with you about what they were saying and how they were just slandering us. We love, and, we yeah. love to hear about what was happening yeah. after we left. Just because you love to hear all the propaganda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so funny because we do well, we have time to do it quickly? Let, nah, well, yeah, I don't. Let, let me. Let, all right. Well. Let me think of one. Well, one, you know, the classic one that Sarah was throwing a big tantrum. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I didn't get a spot classic. on the executive board, right? Which I never wanted because that's like the worst job ever. <laughs> Dude, I wouldn't let her be on that. I, like, I remember <laughs> telling what, Sarah, what, you don't want Nippy that. Nippy was a hothead. Oh yeah. 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 By yeah. the way. I got like a couple texts people who saw the seduced. I look like Jack Nicholson from from the fucking Shining in that thing when they pause the thing. When? Nippy, there's a scene where Nippy's a hothead and they slow it down. I got my head down. It looks like I'm fucking Jack Nicholson sticking my head through the door, going, "Here's Johnny." <laughs> The fuck? That's all right. There oh, were many moments that were edited in the in, in, in where I'm like, oh my god, so embarrassed. But it by slows my it down and like tits. pauses on my Dude, head. And I'm like looking down, Dude, like, mm-hmm. Jesus. I'm like, oh my god, kill me now. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, fuck yeah, I was a hothead. My wife got branded for fuck's sakes. Yeah. What do you think? I would have had a husband back then. Jesus. Yeah, you you know though that we planned that, right? Like you've heard that you under you yeah. know that, right? Okay, yeah. yeah, that we we yeah, we. And that was really well done yeah good job thank, thank you. you thank you thank you there is a per- there is a person who had left before us who instructed us to yeah to leave because of our issues so that it would be consistent with our behavior so nippy had a nippy sarah had a tantrum and nippy had a, nippy had a blow up <laughs> nippy had a blow up we really wanted to go in and like fl- i wanted him to flip egg tables so, so here flip was my table. so yeah. here was a, a here's what i wanted to do like I did what I did, but I was going to go in. I wanted to flip that table of eggs that they put out every day. But then I thought of like, I thought of Lucy, Revy, and all the people that are going to have to clean Aww. it up. And I was like, fuck, I can't do that because they're going to be the ones that have to clean it up. But I, I had a whole. Right, and they're not the yeah. I was going to knock some speakers over and I was like, those are fluffies. And like, you know, he's a demon. They're going to have to pick up their electronic Aww. equipment. So I couldn't be like. See, I'm total- glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because I really do think like, it's also hard for people to understand that leaving this group also meant leaving a lot of people who were our friends. Good yeah. people. And that yeah. We had and good people that we had relationships for a long yeah. time. Granted, there were plenty of people in Nexium who I I never want to see again. In fact, if I do, <laughs> I'm going to knock them out. I'm even. I'm just going to keep walking. I'm going to knock them out. Same. 
And I was like, God, why did I hate you? Because I hated you. And that's okay. Yeah. If you weren't someone I would choose to be friends with Jeez. anyway. Do you know that <laughs> so. I, I had an interaction with Claire that was so awful and I basically had to get an EM about it. Anytime you didn't have, if you didn't like someone, you had to do an EM about it and get a projection sourcing until you liked them. But it was fake. I tried so hard, but she just, you know. She's really hard to like. She's really she hard. Really hard to like. Yeah. She's like a, like not a human. No, being. she's a mean I, person. I, I, never, I never got there. <laughs> I, I tried. She gave me a bottle of electrolytes once, and I thought that was sweet. But like after the, <laughs> that was the kindest thing she ever did. <laughs> she's like, yeah, yeah, you could have one of my noon bottles. I feel like we could talk forever. I know we should probably wrap up. I'm sorry, it was more than an hour. Jet, that's fine. I. I, I plan for that anyway. Me too. Listen, you, I just remembered one more one more chaps my ass to end on. Oh, do it. We were talking about being fractured and like doing the, how did I get this and I'm, get here and and what am I doing? I stopped doing stuff like, but I, I started to lie about it. Like all the data entry that we were supposed to do and the checking in and like doing planks. And that's the thing because you were in Albany, people were checking up on you. I was in Vancouver. So I was like, yeah, I'm swimming so that I could take a nap because I wasn't allowed to go dark, right? Like you, can't, you can't bring your phone in the pool, right? Or I'd be like, yeah, yeah. I did my You're committed. You I can. did my five-hour plank for you, but I didn't do it. I remember one night I did, the, I mean, I did that too, where yeah. you have to like, your little white lies here all over the place. Yeah. But I mean, I definitely did my fair share of committing and following through, but I, I remember one night we had to stand at 3 a.m. and get on the phone with the rest of my the, the women in my pod. Mm-hmm. And I was so pissed. I was like, I am not doing this. Mm-hmm. And so I put them on speakerphone and then I was commiserating with them in our chat about like how awful this penance was while I was lying down in my bed. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm thinking like I'm actually feeling really mm-hmm. guilty thinking Allison is going to catch me and like then punish me even more. And I just remember there were so many moments like that where I was just like, I just don't want to do this anymore. But I had to convince myself that, you know, that, just that was your my issue. own problem. Yeah. That was my issue. I'm so glad that you woke up and that you're here and you're, Same. and you do look a bit like a free people ad, like in my dream. Uh, right. Well, I haven't cut my hair for two years. Quarantine. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. And I hope. Thank you. I, I got it back. Yes. Pretty, that's good. I'm ragged at, at a certain point. <laughs> And I hope we get to hug for real one day. Me too. One day soon. When we were allowed yeah, to travel. Well, we'll be in LA at some point. Some point. <clears throat> well, let me know. I'm here. All right. Don't be a stranger. Right, yeah, no, we're gonna have we're gonna have another conversation about that because there's some other things I want to ask you as well. But. I'm sure. No, there's plenty. And and we'll this part is really for the moment. So I feel like we have to have a part two where we actually yeah. have I wanna like, hash out like, each other on questions. When this thing happened, what they do, I wanna have like Right. So we have to have like the inside and the outside yeah, yeah, perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure our listener listeners are going to love this because they've been asking to have you on as a guest from day one. Aww. So thank Aww. you. Hey guys. Hey guys. Here she is. Thank you. Mwah. Big right. hugs. Hugs to rice Speak and beans. Yeah. Awesome. Andy. Thank you. Talk soon. <laughs> Bye. Guys. Bye. Bye. That was our bonus episode for the summer. 
We're preparing for season two. And we so appreciate everybody reaching out and sharing that they're missing the podcast. We miss it too, although we are enjoying the break, but we are educating ourselves and lining guests up and getting ready for an exciting season two. So stay tuned. Thank you again, India, for joining us from California. Enjoy the summer. Stay safe, everybody. We're going to be back soon with more episodes of A Little Bit Culty with more experts and survivors and sometimes experts who are survivors and some familiar faces from The Vow. If you got suggestions or questions on upcoming topics, find us on Instagram at A Little Bit Culty. And for more background on what got me to this point, my memoir, Scarred, the true story of how I escaped Nexium, the cult that bound my life, is available on Amazon, Audible, and wherever books are sold. If you'd like to help us spread the word about A Little Bit Culty Podcast, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. Like literally take their phone out and, and press subscribe. Five stars. Five That's stars. five of them. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app. A Little Bit Culty is executive produced by me, your co-host, Sarah Edmondson, and Anthony Nippy Ames. Associate producer is Jess Tardy. Produced, edited, mixed, and mastered by Citizens of Sound. Our amazing theme song, Cultivated, is by John Bryant and co-written by Nigel Asselin. Additional original music is composed by Will Rutherford. We'll be back with more episodes. Until then, don't don't join join a a cult. cult. I'm Sarah Edmondson, and thanks for listening to A Little Bit Culty.